Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Pop Culture University, the university where you learn everything that is going on in the world of pop culture and see what you can learn from it for your own lives based on the situations that these celebrities are going through. If it is your first time here, thank you so much for coming. Take a seat in the classroom wherever you would like. If it is not your first time here, thank you so much for coming back. I love you. I stand you. I'm in your fandom. My name is Patty Eminger. You may know me as Patty Pop Culture from TikTok. Just hit 3.1 million followers. So thank you guys for being a part of that. You guys, I'm in like a scared, creepy mood right now because as we learn more about the Idaho murders, I just, I don't, I guess I feel like they could happen to me. I just get so nervous that someone's outside my house or stalking me. Um, that's probably like a narcissistic thought that someone is stalking me. Like, I'm sure that that's not happening. But I also just saw the movie Megan, the scary doll movie. And you guys, when I say this, it was hilarious. It was so fucking good. It's been getting really good reviews on Rotten Tomatoes, and I was kind of confused why. It was getting like 97% out of 100, which is unheard of kind of for a horror movie. So I was like, I don't know. Is it really going to be that good? But it was like a horror comedy. Like I've never, I haven't seen that good of a horror comedy since like Scream Queens. I was laughing, but also scared and feeling very strongly both of those things. Like, why is this so funny? But why am I still afraid of this doll? That doll, Megan, is giving Megan Thee Stallion a run for her money of being the baddest bitch. Like, she definitely took over Annabelle, Chucky. She's my favorite doll from now on. I stand her. I want to make a fan account for her, do fan cams, (laughs) make those, um dramatic fan cams of her like pussy stunting down the hall she was like an american girl doll on crack but she was giving everything that she needed to give um i feel like i feel like it was slightly predictable kind of like what you feel like is gonna happen kind of just happens but it was still definitely worth my time so it'll be worth your guys' time you'll laugh you will just you'll, you'll you'll think it's absurd but in the best way so go check it out it's if you're scared of horror movies like you won't be too scared of this it's it's hilarious so you'll have fun anyway we, speaking of scary we got some scary shit to get into on the episode today i'm so sorry some of you guys are like i don't like when you just talk about scary stuff unfortunately we are going to talk about uh another you know more serial killer topics more overdosing topics just there, there's always some evil um demonic shit going on in the world that people like to click on and people like to hear about so we have to talk about the idaho murders again we learned so much information about exactly how the murders happened that night and how one of the surviving roommates saw him in the house before he left oh my god it sent chills up my spine just thinking about it i need to stop recording this podcast late at night and we need to talk about the fact that rob kardashian could have overdosed um very very scary stuff we need to get into that but there's a really happy story in the middle about a very very big celebrity on one of the biggest shows of all time who's young and sexy he just came out of the closet as gay so before we get into everything make sure you rate this podcast five star on spotify apple Podcasts. you're already here you may as well do so so make sure you do that leave a cute little review i love them um screenshot yourself listening to this post on your instagram story and tag me at Pop culture follow me there as well um come on Follow me on my NSFW Twitter if you want to. Petty Pop Private. I'm just in the mood to plug myself. And um, this is a Tuesday, Friday podcast. So make sure you listen to it every Tuesday, Friday. But let's get into today's episode. Class, take your seats. Class is in session. The truth that everyone has been dying for has finally come out. As more facts and evidence come out of this trial, I I, I feel bad for being so fascinated and wanting to just know everything. I'm not trying to give this killer any fame. It's just, just, it's just something so sinister, so cold-blooded that you can't really imagine it happening unless you're seeing a horror movie. So the fact that it really happened just drives me insane. And these kids, like I said in the last episode, remind me of myself and all of my friends. I was just at a college campus. I'm their exact same age. So 
It's just bone chillingly real to me. And that's why I feel like I just want to know everything about it. But the murder mystery has finally come to an end. And we get to know every detail of what happened that night on November 13th, 2022, uh, where four college university of Idaho students were murdered by a single man with a knife in their sleep. Except they weren't asleep. Sometimes the police and investigators will literally lie to us. Because I guess not all knowledge has to be public knowledge. I would love if, if it is. You know, that would make life more interesting. I would love to know what's going on in Area 51. Pfft, I'm sure we all would. I would love to know what really happened um, that day when JFK died. I'm sure we all would. But I guess it's just not all meant to be public knowledge. And boy, did these police officers and, uh, you know, CSI investigators really lie to us. They lied to us. We just had so much passion for this case. So we were just looking into everything and pointing the finger at the boyfriend and the guy at the food truck trying to accuse anyone just to get some answers for these girls. But we should have just let it be. We were here analyzing videos of them at a food truck a few hours before their murders over and over and over again. And the investigators get this. They already knew who the guy who did it was for over a month before they arrested him. Only two weeks after the murder, did they start to pin it in on him being the main suspect? They were probably laughing at how crazy the internet sleuths looked. Remember the first time I talked about the Idaho murders on this podcast? I said I would look at the roommates to see if they had anything to do with this. And we finally heard a firsthand account from one of the roommates. And it is mind-blowing of what she went through this night. I guess we don't traditionally think of them as like victims in this situation. We, th- I guess our thought about, I guess my thought about them initially was how lucky. How insanely lucky that their lives were spared. Um, if I were them, I would be thanking God every day and almost have survivor's guilt and just be like on my hands and knees like, how did I get to be the one to like not die but i feel like we have to look at them as like they're victims for life too they're serving a life sentence too of just the ptsd and the trauma that they'll always live with and you know having to lose their best friends one of the surviving roommates even said that she saw him that night when he was in the house and then that roommate did something questionable but we're gonna get into that so we finally know all of this information because the murderer the inhumane vile extremely twisted evil person brian kohlberger he as we know was arrested in pennsylvania um after police issued the warrant for his arrest they found him in pennsylvania 2,000 miles away but they couldn't release any information about him that is too specific until he got back to idaho for some reason i'm not sure but now he's finally back in idaho so police were able to publicly release to the world their 19 page like pdf file that is their affidavit. So I never knew what an affidavit was. Um, I, it, it's a very niche-specific thing. So if you don't either, that's fine. But it's called an affidavit. And that means that it's basically <clears throat> like your evidence section of a paper. Like, it's the evidence about why they deserve to get a warrant to arrest someone for a crime. It's a bunch of compiled uh, beyond a reasonable doubt type of facts that they issue to the government in a certain state and then the government will decide the judges will decide if they really deserve a warrant for this person's arrest and you know absolutely they did and that's why they arrested him so it was 19 pages of a story of what exactly happened this night and the stuff that they told us in this affidavit to prove that he is the guilty man is absolutely insane you guys you need to hear this so backstory very very briefly on the night of november well in the early hour mornings of um november 13th 2022 Four University of Idaho students were returning home from their fun college nights out at a local bar and at a frat, and they all got home about 2 a.m., and then sometime in between 3.30 and 4 a.m., that's what we were originally told, is when the murders happened, after they all went to bed. You know, they were a bit drunk, they were sleepy from a night out of partying, whatever, so they just passed out right when they got to bed, and the murders happened then. There was six people in the house at the time, And two of them survived, but they were asleep the whole entire time. So they didn't know anything that happened. That is what we were told. In the morning, about eight hours after the murders happened, they called the police or they invited over friends to call the police, which is an interesting move that I'm going to talk about. And that is when the investigation started. 
And then for like seven weeks, we were on edge, like fiending for information, clinging onto the smallest pieces of evidence, like a white Honda Elantra. And then you guys, the day that, like, I, I know a lot of people are really, really passionate about this case. By the way, my voice, my, my video that I made about it on TikTok, where I just, I just like explained all the really creepy details about the killer Brian, it's already at 10 million views. Isn't that fucking crazy? Like we knew that this case was really, really big, but I didn't know it's really taken over the country that much. There's no one who's not talking about this. One of my biggest videos ever. And I make videos about the biggest, biggest people in the whole world, the biggest situations. It's just absolutely insane to me how everyone is so into this. But um, the day that the killer was revealed, I remember it was like the world stopped. It was like that moment that... Um, America killed Osama bin Laden and everyone like celebrated. It was literally like that moment. Like everyone just wanted to like celebrate and just commiserate in this person being found. And I remember I was like eating eggs that I just made in the morning and my friend sent his face and said that this is the suspect. And my reaction was like when you get into like the college of your dreams, like the videos of the kids getting their acceptance letter and they start screaming and freaking out and like crying. Like that was me. I was like, ah! yes they found him it was i guess like really ha like a happy moment that they found him but of, of course like the overall arching mood of this is sadness but it was just such almost just like relief and just a small moment to celebrate the win so when they first found him i was rolling on the floor kicking and screaming like this was just such a big moment but anyway today i woke up with the news of the 19 page affidavit and before i even brushed my teeth before i even showered took my morning shit i read that whole 19 pages so let's just get into all the truth that we finally learned about um this case because everything we were told you guys was a lie it was a lie it was all a lie so yes they did get home about 2 a.m we still know that but none of them were asleep when this has happened which makes it even scarier i mean I, i'm obviously like there's nothing scarier than getting murdered by someone that you don't know just like randomly in the middle of the night but it's almost better to be asleep just so you don't have to experience the terror as well as the death you know what i'm saying it's like you just peacefully passing away before you know what's going on at all but the fact that they were up and having to live in that moment of fear right before they die just makes it so fucking sad so none of them were asleep, actually. And we know this from a lot of different things. So let's get into it. We can assume that the murders didn't happen between 3.30 and 4. They happened after 4.12 a.m., which is very specific. But it was registered in the affidavit that Zana was on her phone at 4.12 a.m. scrolling through TikTok. Oh my God, isn't that crazy? Like the moment before she was murdered, she was just scrolling on TikTok peacefully in her bed. That's like your happy time. That's 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 your space to just mentally unwind and feel relaxed finally at the end of the day. Scrolling on TikTok in your bed, there's no better feeling. And we all do that every night. Are we all vulnerable to something like that happening to us every night? Crazy. So she was scrolling through TikTok at 4.12 a.m. And she had a Grubhub order delivered to her door. Sorry, a DoorDash order. All these food service subscriptions anyway she had a doordash order delivered to her home at 4 a.m that she peacefully and successfully picked up that is so scary because we know brian was already there at that time so he probably watched her get that um order from the front door but you know she's probably just inside and eating it the affidavit said quote kernodal who received a doordash order at the residence at approximately 4 a.m her phone was still on tiktok so now let's get into the crazy firsthand account from the surviving roommate. So they are not releasing the name. It just says DM. That's what the symbol, that's what the uh, uh, initials are for her name. Her name is Dylan. And like everybody knows this. I don't think I'm revealing anything by saying her name is Dylan. Dylan, the girl, she, we believe to be asleep. She was actually awake right after she heard something. So she was asleep at first. Um, I think she just had a night in and she was just like peacefully sleeping for a few hours. She was awoken at approximately 4 a.m. Something was going on in the house and she woke up. After just being in her bed for a moment, being woken up at 4 a.m., a short time later, a number of minutes, Dylan said that she heard someone who she thought to be Kaylee say something like, quote, there's someone here. I just took like a virtual tour of their house because I'm crazy on zillow or something and their rooms were really not that far so she could pretty easily audibly hear kaylee say there's someone here 
But after she heard that, she just closed her door. She probably just thought one of their million different friends on college campuses. People pop in and out of apartments, houses every wee hour of the night. I, I can confirm. I had people doing that for me as well, just popping in and out at night. So she closed her door. She opened it again because she looked out of her bedroom but did not see anything when she first heard the comment about someone being there. But then she heard something else which she thought was crying coming from Zana's room, which is not right next to her room, but down the hall and like to the right, down a different hall. So she heard crying coming from Zana's room. So it had to be a little loud for her to hear it. Then she heard a male voice say something in that room to the effect of, it's okay, I'm going to help you. I'm assuming that's the sadistic evil thing he was saying to his victims uh, before he killed them. I, I guess you're not just going to walk into a room and be like, I'm going to kill you. I mean, I guess I would prefer that. But like, like, let's just be real and like, I guess, prepare me. Don't say, I'm going to help you. Clearly, you're not going to help me if you're dressed in all black, looking like a psycho behind the eyes. Like, I know help is the last thing I'm getting in this moment. Anyway, after um, that happened, well, first, let's talk about we, we didn't know there was a security camera that got any of this audio, but there was a security camera about 50 feet west of the wall of Zana's bedroom. And at approximately 4.17 a.m., so now we know like the exact time that this happened, a security camera located at 112 King Road, a residence to the northwest of 1122 King Road, so it's on someone else's house, picked up distorted audio of what sounded like voices and then a whimper followed by a loud thud. So 50 feet away, the thud had to be quite loud. And I'm going to say what I think the thud was in a moment. Then a dog can also be heard barking numerous times starting at 4.17 a.m. The security camera, as we just said, is 50 feet away. So there has to be quite a, you know, a moment going on in that house. The dog barking is a huge question we had during this whole case because Kaylee had a very cute dog that she would post on TikTok and do dances with. And everyone was like, why is that dog not barking? Um, if there's a huge fight, a huge struggle going on. A part of me was like, mm, that's not very surprising to me. I've had some shih tzus in my life that would literally just watch and honestly probably like go back to bed. Even if they saw me getting murdered in cold blood right in front of them, they would probably be upset that the person who gives them food every day is dying. But they wouldn't really do anything. My pit bull, though, she is kind of scared of everything, but also literally insane. So I think she she loves me so much. She, I think she'd like risk her life to like bite or attack whoever was going at me. So I'm like, mm, it's 50-50. I really wouldn't be surprised if the dog was just not barking at that moment. And the craziest moment that we learned, the, the one of the most perplexing things, the roommates were just sleeping? There was a four-person struggle with a killer upstairs with a knife. And everyone, you just slept through the whole thing? No. We finally learned that Dylan opened her door a third time after she heard the crying and the thud. And she literally saw a figure in black clothing up and down, head to toe, and a mask that covered his mouth and nose walking towards her. Dylan described this man as 5'10", or taller, definitely male, not very muscular, but athletically built, with bushy eyebrows. The male walked past Dylan as she stood in a frozen shock phase. The man walked towards the back sliding glass door. Dylan locked herself in her room and was so petrified that she did not call the cops until eight hours later at noon the next day. Holy shit. Oh my God, how scary would that be? Knowing how Brian looks in his eyes and seeing this tall, slender man looking man dressed in black, probably covered in blood as well, walking towards you and you just have to face that. I mean, I don't, I can't even express just, I think your whole body would go completely numb and shocked every hair would stand up on you and i think i would actually go into some out of body experience mode where it's just pure terror and the fact that he just walked past her like what that's the most confusing thing of life i let's just talk about why she didn't call the cops i would be 
so fucking shocked. All I would do, I, I, all I, I guess I would think to do is just close the door behind me. But in retrospect, we all know what happened. We, we know he just left the scene after that. He, he, he drove home. But she probably didn't know if he was still walking around outside the house, in his car outside. I would think worst case scenario, I'd be like, what if he's right outside my window wanting to break into my room in a separate weird way? Or if he hears me call the cops, maybe he'll get mad and kill me. Or he's still close and I just don't know. I'm just going to go sit in my closet for six hours and not make a fucking peep. I'm just giving her all the biggest benefits of the doubts in the world because she was just through something so traumatic and who knows we've all haven't been in a situation like that i mean at least i hope you haven't um we we don't know what we would have done in that situation and i'm just such like a paranoid freak i i who knows what i truly would have done so a a part of me thinks the last thing i would want to do in that moment is be alone um but the other surviving roommate's room was quite far away from hers so she probably didn't know you know the alive status of that roommate she, she may have thought she was alone in that house and i i feel like i don't i don't know in that moment i just think i wouldn't want to be alone i probably would have stayed quiet for a while and then called the police because what they arrived there within 10 minutes and then i would feel very safe i think i don't know i'm just gonna give her the benefit of the doubt the cr- something even motherfucking crazier, you guys, is... So, no, she didn't call the police, which I think also puts her at a risk of, like, what if he decides to come back and you didn't call the police and now he has another chance to kill you? I think that's what I would be thinking as well. He left the house, as we know, from his cell phone records, which I'll get into, but he left the house after he walked past the surviving roommate Dylan and out the back door. That's what she said. He walked out the back door. That's the last she saw him. He left. But then we know he came back to the scene at 9 a.m. from 9.12 a.m. to 9.21 a.m. What the fuck did he do at those hours? Like, was he... His cell phone was pinned right by the house for those nine minutes. What the hell did he do? Did, did did he walk back up to the house? Did he walk around the house? Did he want to see the scene? Was he just interested in it? Well, was he mad that no one called the cops yet and there wasn't a big news network camera crew crime scene tape outside of there? I just don't know what he was doing, but it's so scary that he could have decided just to come back and finish the job. A lot of experts are theorizing that he may have just been tired after fighting off four people with a knife and having to kill them like that. Or he was in such like a freak state of mind that he didn't see her, even though she saw him because his mind was probably just all over the place. It's probably dark in that house because everyone's in their respective rooms preparing to go to sleep. But yeah, it's just so scary that they were all awake because she heard Kaylee and she heard Xana. And we know if Xana's awake and eating and on TikTok that Ethan is awake and Kaylee was saying someone's here probably to Maddie. So they were all awake and it's just, oh my God, it's just, uh, just horror. But let's just talk about it. You guys, I feel like we can just piece together what happened through the information that we just learned right there because we know he probably broke into the house sometime shortly after four. And I'm assuming he broke in via a way of somewhere in the back door, like kitchen area. And then he decided to go straight up to Kaylee and Maddie's room and do what he did there because they heard a loud thud or Kaylee saying something that she thought was maybe playing with her dog or whatever. So I think we can safely assume that they were killed first. And I just had a feeling this whole time that he was after Kaylee and Maddie in specifics because he did follow them. He, Kaylee's dad said that they saw a link between them. Maybe he DM'd her or something and she didn't respond. Kaylee was on to the fact that she thought she could be having a stalker, which we will get into because he was stalking them. And I feel like they were just definitely the first targets. And I, I think he intended to kill all six of them. But I think after that, he maybe heard Xana or saw Xana. So he went straight to their room after. And because we heard the crying from Xana's room after Dylan heard the thud in Kaylee's room. So I think it's safe to assume he killed Kaylee and Maddie first and then xana and ethan after 
But let's get into why I think he he wanted to kill all, all six of them. I think his goal was to make this the biggest crime, the most big spectacle. He wanted to feel like the baddest bitch, the expert criminology, criminal justice student, PhD, smarter than everyone else guy that he thought he was in his head because he's a narcissist. I think he was going for the big six, all like all of them. He wanted to kill everyone in that house. I think that was what his goal was. Other ways that they found out that it was him was because they were tracking his car because there was a vehicle that he was driving, the white Hyundai Elantra, was seen on many security cameras in the area after 4.20 a.m. And then he lives about 12 minutes away. And he was seen in residential areas in Washington where he lived about at about 5.25. So almost a bit more than an hour later. I'm not sure what he did in that time frame. He only had to drive like 12 minutes. Maybe he dropped off his clothes, changed his clothes, um, washed his car. We don't know. He did do a few smart things. Um, I mean, I think he's he was never as smart as we thought he was, as he's hyped up to be, quoting like the very intelligent PhD candidate. He's not really as smart as he thought he was. The affidavit said a review of footage from multiple videos obtained from the King Road neighborhood showed multiple sightings of a suspect vehicle, one starting at 329 a.m. and ending at 420 a.m. The sightings show suspect vehicle one makes an initial three passes by the King Road residence and then leaves via Wallentina Drive. Yeah, so he he just drove by it three times before he went in there to do something. I bet you because he still he still saw some activity in the kitchen or whatever and he wanted to make sure they were all in their rooms. One of the craziest things actually is he wasn't stalking them that night. He left his house at about 2.40 a.m. And he, like, doesn't that seem so risky? I I mean, if I was going to commit a crime like this, I would be stalking them all night so I know exactly what they're doing. What if they all decided to sleep at a friend's that night and he drove there and couldn't commit this crime? Or what if they were still having a house party? Like, why wouldn't you want to know exactly what they're doing that night instead of just randomly showing up there? Or what if they were having 15 kids sleep over and you just didn't know? And then you're getting your ass beat by a whole house of, of people. It's just, I don't know. It seems like a stupid move. But um, yeah, he drove his own car to the scene, which is stupid. What he should have done is drove halfway. Maybe he could have driven six minutes. And then he should have parked the car somewhere like random. And then walked the rest of the way. So there's no security footage of your car in that area at all. I mean, if you're going to commit to murdering people and committing such a big potentially death sentence worthy crime at least just walk a bit so your camera your car's not on camera bro the hadoy rookie um he did change his license plate after so i guess there were some photos of his license plate they couldn't find it at first but it was changed after they tracked his phone but he was smart enough with cell towers to turn it off that night so they wouldn't be able to know he was in that proximity the night of the murders. Apparently, he was driving and his phone went black at about 2.47 a.m. when he was like on his way to the house. That's where the last piece of, you know, phone tower pickup his phone got. And then he turned it back on at about 5.25 when he got home. So I guess that's a smart mono- moment of him. But he's really fucking stupid. It's Given the fact that he has researched... um technological evidence in crime scenes and how they can find a a killer like that he's literally researched this like bro did you not take notes during class or something pen and paper like sub search your notes go over them and it's like like it's not like this is like a test that you can just bullshit or cheat on like this is a real fucking deal you're about to go in and there and kill people and you're not even going to review your notes he didn't turn off his phone when he was stalking them ever so there's evidence of his phone being outside of that house for at least 12 nights from August to November when he committed these crimes and multiple times during the day. So he was stalking these people pretty heavily. Kaylee was on to the fact that she had a stalker because some of her friends, she would talk about how she feels like she is just being watched. I'm not sure how she felt that or why, you know, she didn't say anything or something or I guess make a bigger scene about it. But it's interesting that Zana and Maddie were also being stalked. That being said, since he was stalking them for 12 weeks, I did, I'm not quite sure Ethan was a target because he wasn't there on a regular basis. I feel like he, this man, for, since from what we learned the last episode I was talking about this, he was a bully, he was a sociopath, but he especially would get bullied by women himself 
because they saw him as a creep. They would call him, him a creep. They would reject him and he would still incessantly keep trying to pursue them. So it seems like he was trying to take revenge on pretty girls that night. Um, I feel bad for pretty girls everywhere for reasons like that. If you're really a gorgeous, just drop dead, hot ass bitch, that's a target on your back. So I know a lot of people who listen to this podcast are really sexy. So y'all, you have a target on your back. Get pepper spray, get a ring camera because people just want to like be involved with you. They get jealous if you don't give them the time of day and they might go to extreme lengths to get your attention, like break into your house in the middle of the night and kill you. So anyway, he was stalking them for 12 nights since August. Um, the affidavit says the records for the phone, eight, four, five, eight phone. That's what they call his phone in the affidavit, the eight, four, five, eight phone utilizing cellular resources that provide coverage to the area of the one, one, two, two King road on at least 12 occasions prior to November 13, 2022. All of these occasions, except for one occurred in the late evening and early morning hours, um, of their respective days. This is so T as well, which I think, I don't, I, don't, I don't know. If I was going to commit a crime this big, I would I would be someone in my house who has those walls with a bunch of like arrows and red lines going to like what I'm going to do and like where and like how this will happen. He just made a lot of mistakes. He was pulled over in August 2022 for God knows what, speeding or maybe eating his impossible burger while driving or something because he's vegan. We don't know. But he was pulled over and there's a body cam footage of him giving the police officer his phone number. So police use that to get his phone number and then start to be able to tap his phone and then track his phone through all these areas. So another thing I would have done different is just I would have changed my phone number a, a week before, a month before. I, I don't know. I would have just changed my, my phone number. I've had to change my phone number multiple times because of just suspicious things. So I'm not a... um stranger to that did you know when you change your phone number they give someone your old phone number within like a day it's crazy because a lot of my friends would text that old phone number that i had and the guy was like angry like he was a mad person whoever they gave it to was pissed off all the time he would like threaten my friends he'd be like stop fucking texting this number do it again i'll beat your ass i'm not patty who is this person it was crazy so um anytime that happened i would just have to like apologize on his behalf for whoever had my new phone number my old phone number anyway the gag of this is is that they knew it was him since november 29th that just goes to prove that he is not this valedictorian slut that he thought he was november 29th just two weeks after the murders and they already think it was you insane and that was a month before we knew his name and again there we were trying to dissect the grubhub video looking like fools they knew the whole time because they pinned the car to his address and then uh from the car they found his phone and then tracked his phone all in those days and that's when they realized that it was him and they've been collecting evidence on him ever since to put the warrant out for his arrest some of that evidence includes being purposely pulled over in december twice in indiana they purposely pulled him him over not because he was doing anything wrong on the road but they wanted to have police officers get body cam footage of his hands to see if he had cuts and on they released the photos of him in the car and it looks like he has like a slight cut in his wrist and then in between his knuckle of like his pinky and um the ring finger like in between there it's a little bit blurry i can't say for sure but it just seems like he had cuts on his hands so very smart detective work by the fbi but if i was brian i would have known in that moment i would have been like fuck i'm caught they're they're pulling me over for something they said they pulled him over for tailgating which i mean fine i guess that's a good excuse but i would have known something is up at that point and he should have too oh my god his dad in the video was so dumb too he was driving cross country with his dad when he was in indiana which is so scary by the way because i don't live far from there so it's like <gasps> he was driving past like the state where i live like oh my god ew, 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 ew. i don't even want to be within like a a, a 1000 mile radius of this freak but his dad in the car when the cops pulled him over on the body cam footage the cop asked where they were going and brian like quickly tried to come up with an excuse so he didn't have to say that i was driving from washington to pennsylvania because the cops would probably be like oh like you're driving from washington in a white honda Elantra and like interesting there's a worldwide search for that car right now so he goes oh we we're going to get thai food and the dad like interrupts him halfway and he's like oh we're driving cross country to indiana or to pennsylvania that is just such a dad thing to do like note to self note to, to you guys your dad will accidentally sell you out 
So maybe don't trust them with some information. Okay, but maybe the craziest piece of evidence that they definitely collected the first day at that crime scene that they never told us about was that they found a knife sheath. So like the casing for a knife. It was a tan knife sheath next to Madison laying on the bed um, right, right by her. So that's how they knew what the weapon was so fast. But it's like, why would you leave it there, bro? Why would you leave it? You're you're going to take the time to plan this whole thing out and stalk people, but then just leave that there. Um, basically, they found DNA on that knife sheath. Even if you're wearing gloves, I guess your DNA could get on it. I always like wondered that, but I guess even if you're wearing DNA or even if you're wearing gloves, it can get on there. And they put it through public databases of family genealogy and then started to build a family tree around him and like got a few of his family members. And then once they thought it was already him from the phone and the car, the police were stalking him for a few days and got a piece of his trash and tested DNA in there. And it matched 99.9998% to him. So boom, point blank period case closed bring in the dancing lobsters you're going to jail forever uh see you in hell the affidavit said dna profile obtained from the sheath identified as a male not being excluded as the biological father of the suspect profile at least 99.9998 percent of the male population would be would be accepted to be excluded from the possibility of being the suspect's biological father so that's just their way of saying like uh it's definitely this bozo and now there he is wearing his suicide vest so he doesn't take his own pathetic life with his handcuffs on in front of him, his ankles shackled up. He was shuffling through that courtroom like he was the pop duo LMFAO every day. I'm shuffling, looking like an idiot, sitting there getting caught for a crime that he thought he was cool enough to get away with. And I love that he was caught because it goes to show how advanced we are with technology if this was back in Ted Bundy's day, who he's like the reincarnation of, he probably would not have gotten caught. But in 2023, it's going to be hard to kill four people with a knife, face-to-face combat, and get away with it like that. And I'm glad that is made clear. And it's using him as an example to any other sociopath incels that want to try it. May he burn in the lowest depths of hell and never be remembered as anything else but a coward who took out his own personal ang- uh, anger at the world on four innocent, beautiful children who had nothing to do with his struggles. So may he be remembered as nothing but a coward and burn in the deepest depths of hell. Okay, so back to your normally scheduled Pop Culture University program. We have some good news. For most people, it's good news. For Millie Bobby Brown, it's horrible news because we know she's as homophobic as the Catholic Church. I'm kidding. I'm just saying the Catholic Church is homophobic because the school down my street doesn't serve milk to the students because they say milk will turn the kids gay. That is literally why. So that is why I'm saying the Catholic Church is gay. I mean, I mean, I mean the Catholic Church is homophobic. Anyway... Noah Schnapp, the 18-year-old... Wait, is he 18-year-old? Is he an 18-year-old? Anyway, he's the guy who plays Will on Stranger Things. He just came out as gay on TikTok. He did it in the most TikTok-y way. He just used like a viral um, trending sound to come out with. He used the sound that says, um, you know what it never was? That serious. It was never that serious. Quite frankly, it will never be that serious. I love that sound because it's so true about so many things, including about being gay. It's it's not that serious, even though people think it is. Um, I mean, I'm shocked. I mean, this is shocking news. None of us saw this coming, right? No idea. I don't know. I mean, I've gotten... I did think that he may be gay. I, I usually am someone who doesn't assume people is... Um, I, I feel like if someone says they're straight, I usually just believe them. I feel like that's what I usually do. Lately, I have been accusing more people of being gay, though. 
So if, if you meet me in person, I might accuse you of being gay. Anyway, he came out uh, with the caption, when I finally told my friends and family I was gay after being scared in the closet for 18 years, and all they said was, we know. Oh, no. I love that, though. I feel like gay people always make out their coming out moments to be this big, 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 huge, life-changing rapture. The world is ending. Volcanoes erupting. Tsunamis, like, life-ending moment. And for some people, for sure, I'm not going to, like, negate that struggle depending on your uh, situation. It could be very, very horrible when, you know, you just cannot hide anymore. But for most people, it's just like, oh, cool, you're gay. Let's go on with our day. Like, it's it's just such a passive, like, yeah, we all knew, like, let's just uh, continue life as normal because you've literally acted gay forever. That's just, like, the whole thing. Kind of like me being gay. Like, mm, no one moved. So... His caption said, quote, I guess I'm more similar to Will than I thought. Oh, speaking of his character, Will, that haircut that they made Will have in that show was just downright homophobic. But I want to point out, um, now that Noah Schnapp came out as gay, I think his character, Will, just like means so much more. And he did an interview a while ago with Stranger Things 4 was coming out, just talking about the whole character arc of Will and how he is gay and everything and about how wonderfully written his character was and what it means for the gay community. So this is what he said. In July, following the debut of the final two episodes of Stranger Things Season 4, Schnapp confirmed to Propriety that Will Byers is gay and in love with his best friend, Mike. And after, you know, that news came out, he said, It was kind of always there, but you never really knew. Is it just him growing up slower than his friends? Now that he's gotten older, they made it a very real obvious thing. Now it's 100% clear that he is gay and he does love Mike. I think it's done so beautifully because it's so easy to make a character just like all of a sudden be gay. People have come up to me that he was saying he was just in the park in Paris and uh, a 40 year old man would, he said, would come up to me and he was like, wow, this Will character made me feel so good. And I related to it so much. This is exactly who I was when I was a kid. And he said that that just made him so happy to hear and he said, they're writing this real character and this real journey and real struggle, and they're just doing it so well. I think it's all just part of the challenge of acting. This isn't just a single layer that he's struggling with coming out. It's a multifaceted trauma that goes years back because he was taken by the Demi Gorgon and then his friends. They uh, never really acknowledged him. And now he's scared to come out and doesn't know if they will accept him. I think we know why uh, Noah was so good at playing the character of Will now because maybe he was method acting a bit and being in Will's shoes. And he was 100% feeling the same thing, especially if Will said he was hiding in the closet the whole time. Like he knew 100% he was gay. It wasn't like a, I have to figure it out kind of thing. Like he was hiding in the closet and he didn't know if people would accept him. So I I feel like maybe playing Will was something really therapeutic for him and um hopefully helped him with his journey. Maybe if he didn't play Will, he wouldn't have come out to like 25 or 30. Like you just don't know. So I'm really happy for him that this character is now just so much more uh, empowering and a part of his overall story. And I love that. And I love that he's still like very, very young. So he, he wasn't really like in the closet for that long of a time. And now he gets to live this fabulous, amazing gay life that he deserves to live and deserves to live happily and with a sense of pride um i feel like we need to do a ceremonial thing to welcome him should we make him sniff poppers should we make him learn the rain on me choreography i mean i'm not saying he's a bottom but i'm not not saying he's a bottom millie bobby brown is pissed she would have ran him over when she had the chance if she just knew while they were filming that's why he came out now because they finished filming stranger things so he feels safe now not around her uh james charles commented proud of you noah on his tiktok and people were like stay away from him i'll protect you from james charles blah 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 blah. i hate the whole james charles like rumors that he's this deviant and sexually promiscuous because i think all those like rumors about him are really damaging to the gay community as a whole especially the ones portrayed by tati she was saying like he was trying to turn a straight man into a sexuality that he was not even though that straight guy literally said on camera that he was bisexual and he was wanting to explore with james and all those boys who said that james was like aware of their age and he was still trying to come on to them like james had proof that they lied about their age the whole thing to me i don't know i'm not saying james is the best person in the world i'm saying he should be more careful i think he's has room to grow and learn but i just don't like the whole james charles is like this deviant thing because i think it's 
harmful to the whole gay community. But I'm extremely, extremely happy that Noah was able to come out and is so accepting. I know it's kind of harder in Hollywood, too. When you come out as gay, you're not going to be able to be offered as many roles. And, of course, there's more LGBTQ representation on screen, LGBTQ roles. And I guess more acceptance with hiring gay people, even for roles that are not specifically gay. But it's still a thing that I think will decrease the amount of roles you can audition for or will be recommended for. So... I think it was really brave, really amazing, and he's doing so much just being like a gay representation for this young generation who loves Stranger Things. He's like the male Jojo Siwa now, an extremely young age who has a massive fan base who's like like in their teens and around his age who parents will be like, no, another gay person tainting my kids and spreading their LGBTQ disease the gay to my kids, blah, 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 blah. But it's actually doing a big favor to everyone. So shout out to you. Uh, Noah Schnapp, welcome to the club. We love you. Um, what can we learn from this? Wait, did you guys know that the guy from Wednesday who plays Tyler is gay in real life? And everyone says, I look exactly like Tyler from Wednesday. Can you believe that? I've never been told I look more like a celebrity in my fucking life. Every TikTok, even if I'm talking, like, even if I'm, I'm making a TikTok about the Idaho murderers and people getting stabbed to death, they're like, wait you look like Tyler from Wednesday in the comments. And I'm like, oh my God. On my Instagram story yesterday, I photoshopped a photo of me, my face like onto like the like a, a scene of him in the show. And I like let people choose if they think I look like him or not. And over 80% said that, yes, I do look like him. I feel like I'm hotter than him. I'm so sorry. I feel like I'm the hot version. Like, I don't know if it's my ego, but I mean, I guess it's a step up from like people saying I look like Neville Papperman from iCarly, but... I don't know. I think I'd slay a little bit more than Tyler than Wednesday, but you know what? It's not the worst comparison. He is a pretty cute guy. Anyway, what can we learn from this? I think we can learn that there is no um, rush to come out. I think gay people are put in this situation where they want to please other people by letting that guard down and letting people into their lives and uh, not making people walk on eggshells anymore if people know that you're gay but you don't want to come out yet i think there's no rushing to it at all and when you feel comfortable is the absolute best time there's no perfect time but just the time when you feel comfortable is the most um perfect time because figuring out your sexuality is a very hard thing and there's definitely a lot on the line and i kind of hate how it's like normalized that gay people have to declare their sexuality because it's kind of a really personal thing if you realize like if you think about it like i have to tell you who i'm having sexual thoughts about like that's just weird to me so I think it's a bigger deal than just, you know, a small conversation one day. Like, people are like, why don't they just come out the closet? Like, come on, like, everyone knows. It's like, you don't really truly understand. So if you're being hard on yourself about, like, wanting to come out sooner or wanting to face that sooner because you think everyone wants you to, I'm here to let you know that you do not have to rush that at oil. And when you do come out, I think... I think a big thing we can learn is that people focus so much on the scary parts about coming out and what they can lose and everything like that. But I want to cultivate the thought that um, you can you can think about all the amazing parts that will happen when you come out. And I feel like no one ever talks about that. It's just this scary moment, but it should be seen as this like, okay, I'm I'm sure of myself now. Like, I hope people will accept me. I think they will if you know you're lucky to be with a great family and friends. Um, like how exciting that you get to come out and live all these amazing parts of the gay life and uh, get to be yourself and life gets so much better. So just the whole concept of coming out, I just want to say you're so in control of it and in control of your whole life and it'll be so much better than you think if you are in Noah Schnapp's shoes right now and a young boy and you know waiting for that moment. You are amazing and you're in great hands, which is your own hands. One of the most quiet, famous people in the whole fucking world, but also one of the most famous people in the whole fucking world, is back in the news cycle this week, but for very uh, questionable reasons. And that is Rob Kardashian himself, the sole male of the Kardashian family. He was that token male that I'm sure Robert 
Kardashian Sr. wouldn't let Kris Jenner stop having kids until she had a male. She is that, you know, carrier of the Kardashian name. And that's a lot on your plate when you have sisters who are as famous as he is. But Rob Kardashian has not had the easiest life or the easiest time leading up to this point, being very open about dealing with depression and uh, I, I would say very much more severe depression and like having to go through those struggles in front of the whole entire world. And now there's a lot of reports of him um, going through something horrible, which is, did Rob Kardashian overdose? Reports of Rob Kardashian overdosing are spreading all over the internet right now. It started in... Uh, news outlets overseas, France and Spain. And why would someone make this up? A lot of bloggers do make up some things, but usually when people make something up, it's very much uh, vague. It's like, oh yeah, this person did this and everybody knows about it. Like, that's just what they say. They're like, everyone in the scene knows. Um, and they can't really give any specifics, but there's a lot of very, very, very specific things about Rob Kardashian overdosing very recently. So apparently this happened on Wednesday, December 28th. And at 3.17 um, p.m., I believe, he was taken into a hospital in L.A. because he was at his home in a certain state of mind where he was um, drowning whatever sorrows or problems he had currently in substances. He was drinking alcohol and then taking pills, which were painkillers or Oxycontin um, that was uh, apparently laced with fentanyl which I mean, fentanyl is such a real, real, real scary thing. I know someone who was affected by fentanyl. It is absolutely devastating that normal people are now, well, I mean, I'm not calling like anyone not normal who potentially does drugs. You know what I mean? P people who do drugs very rec recreationally for fun, not very often. It's a very much a side hobby. They are dying from fentanyl. So huge thing of what we can learn get fentanyl strips um if if you don't know where it came from it's not worth the high it's not worth the fun do not 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 do it i've turned down things just because of that absolutely not it's a very real thing um apparently on december 28th rob was just in his house doing that and he had to be rushed to the hospital with pale with a pale blue face and swollen blue lips that's exactly how Jimmy lovato's face was described after her um overdose in 2018 According to a source in France, this is what they say, quote, according to my reliable source from United States of America and the network E, which works close with the Kardashians, at 3.17 p.m., Rob Kardashian just was transported to the emergency room following an overdose. As well, uh, he, they, they, they found painkillers, alcohol in his system, as well as traces of fentanyl. Uh, were found in his blood so apparently he was then rushed to the hospital in a very scary manner ambulance and all of that and then they you know pumped his stomach got that out of his system i don't know what they do but he was treated in that sort of manner quick enough for him to not um die according to the people in france they say it is currently 2 52 a.m so like 11 hours afterwards and rob kardashian is fine and he was um finally able to regain all of his senses. So he was back to himself. And I think that is when he realized what had happened. Now, apparently he was staying there for a while. And this was a whole scene because according to the people in France, they say, quote, according to my U.S. hospital source, Chris Jenner contacted the hospital Rob is currently staying at and ordered and offered them a, a lot of money, paid them off or whatever, ordered no leaking of information to the U.S. tabloids at all. But they said that there was still a lot of paparazzi outside um, because they heard that this may be true, but they weren't allowed to post anything until they got validation. And they weren't able to release any information to the U.S. And they were all they, they were just all waiting for it to be true or waiting to hear a word from Chris or whatever to see if the situation is real, what's actually happening here. Chris Jenner would definitely sue some paparazzi ass if they made up a rumor that big and posted photos at the hospital, something like that. So I feel like they just wanted to be sure before they messed with uh, that beast or the mother of dragons, Kim, uh, Chris Jenner. Something else crazy that apparently happened while he was in the hospital, which is definitely very much like Rob Kardashian, um, especially in the terms of just what he goes through in life. Sources from within the room or within the circle of the Kardashian, someone's assistant, someone's something heard this. And they said that he, while he was in this psychotic state, he was crying and screaming out loud things about his family and his daughter and black China, how she could ruin his daughter's life. Very much how like Kanye was like saying that how Kris Jenner could ruin his kid's life saying things like, uh, he never gets to enjoy his child alone, um, without people spying on them or, picking and prodding at his behavior or his attitude and he misses his kids and he just wants to have her and like the holidays and 
going off about things like that. I feel for Rob so much. I, I, I used to be such a Rob like supporter and I would like root for Rob to get back on the show because I don't know. I just wanted that like fierce like man representation on the Kardashians. And I guess there's are some like fun men on that show, but I just wanted someone in the Kardashian family who was a man to like be as glamorous as the women. And I always just was rooting for him to get it together. But after all these years, I've just given up hope on Rob ever returning to the show or ever um, getting himself together. I know that that's sad, but I just can't keep like waiting or holding out hope for him. Um, and it makes me sad that I feel like he kind of, I know he has bad mental health and everything, but after a certain point it becomes your responsibility to, you know, pick up yourself and put yourself back together. And he just is someone who could not only have such a great life, but such a glorious, glamorous, billionaire, perfect life. And it was all like handed to him basically. Like he could have been like Kendall and Kylie that just benefit off of his older sisters who, and his mom who like made the name for everyone. He could have come out with 15 product lines, blah, blah, blah. He just could have done so much. And I feel like it is a big portion of his fault that he is not where certain other members of his family are. And that makes me sad. And it makes me just really think about how like our own success is in our own hands. And I feel like he just should always, I feel like he, even they talked about like one of the family therapy episodes, how he feels like his family doesn't support him in his career or help him with his career as much. But it's like, bro, like they can't do everything for you they can get you these connections and set things up but they can't hold your hand through the whole thing for sure and if anything he should take his sister's success as inspiration and want to be like them and want to work harder he would always talk about how he wants to make millions of dollars and be this huge businessman and blah 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 or a lawyer like his dad and he just doesn't do any of that so it's hard for me to root for rob when it seems like rob is not even rooting for rob i know fame is not for everyone i know that life is not for everyone but it seems like he wanted it and then didn't it seems like he just, I don't know. I want Rob to help Rob is what I'm saying. And I feel like there's a lot of scenes of the sisters trying to help Rob. And then it's just like you you, you, you can lead a horse to water, but you can't make them drink. So, of course, I, I don't. I hope this situation is not happening with him. That's awful. I don't wish that upon anyone. I'm just saying I wish Rob was in a better place all of the time. Um, apparently, Rob was then released from the hospital, allegedly, because we're not sure if this is fact. Do you hear me, Chris Jenner, saying this? If you're planning on sending me a cease and desist like Jennifer Lopez, I am saying allegedly. He got out apparently on uh, December 30th. And then on January 1st, he was seen at Nobu with Chris talking about how he's in a bad mental state and how he can't be seen, uh, how he can't uh, go see his daughter because it's not ideal for her to see him like this in this moment. Um, That's very unfortunate. And I feel like Rob has definitely been there before. I'm not sure who who overheard that conversation if it's real if it's just hearsay but that does go along with a few certain things and there were some other like warning signs of this and i was starting to get suspicious of rob for sure but there was just other signs that like dream has been sleeping over with chloe and then kim on different nights and she's dream has been with true and chloe a lot a quote came from the people in france saying that they were worried about his mental state and everything that is going on with him right now and worried about his health and allegedly he was not um, with his kids on Christmas. He wasn't at the Kardashians Christmas Eve party either, but I feel like he never goes to family events or especially like things that may be filmed like that. So I'm not surprised by that. And that doesn't really like wave any red flags for me, but apparently he wasn't with his kids on Christmas because people magazine posted on December 30th, which is suspiciously the same day he apparently got out of the hospital as if they wanted to cover up some story about Rob Kardashian with something else going on in Rob Kardashian's life. They posted a story about how Black China spent Christmas with Dream and True. True is her kid with um, Tyga, I believe. So, no, no, sorry. Dream and King. King, King, King. Dream and King. It's just interesting that they detailed Black China's Christmas with her kids. I mean, sure, we like Black China if she's not, you know, human trafficking people. Like, <laughs> there's rumors about her right now, but like are we that ever interested in black china to know what she's doing on christmas with her kids i don't know it just seems like a weird coincidence that a lot of celebrities people magazine is known for like running stories that celebrities will basically pay them to write about them to give them a good positive image so i would not doubt if this was paid for by chris jenner or whoever to paint a better image of rob or distract with things going on in his life right now also all the kardashians on December 30th were randomly posting about Rob's merch line. He, I mean, 
maybe they wanted to make some positive Rob moments in the media instead of anything bad that could potentially come up. Or they wanted to make it seem like he was going great. So if anyone heard these rumors in France, like they thought they weren't true. But they were posting his Rick and Morty merch line. Who knows why he did a Rick and Morty merch line. But it was shirts with the characters on them and all the shirts say halfway dead on them. Which, I mean, I guess that's kind of like Rob Kardashian's brand anyway. Like halfway dead. But I'm kidding. I love you, Rob. Very interesting to me that they were just all posting about him in that moment. But yeah, I hope Rob is okay. I mean, if this is real, I'm glad that he is out of the hospital right now and did not die because that shit with fentanyl can get closer to death, you know, even with just a few little grains of it. So I'm very happy he is okay. And I still am rooting for Rob. I always will. But at the same time, I want Rob to want Rob. But anyway, what can we learn from this whole situation with Rob potentially overdosing? Vices are just band-aids for your problem, I think is what we can say. And Rob, I'm not going to like specifically name what his vices could be, but I feel like we all know that Rob has a few vices and could that could be potentially what he's doing to face his problems. I feel like the only way to really face a problem and which is the scariest way for sure, but is to face them head on and they will not be scary anymore and never be able to come back and affect you the way that they did if you face them head on really get to the root of why they bother you and work out um all your emotions and process them and then come up with good coping mechanisms or ways to move forward and from personal experience i can say changes your life for sure i feel like i used to be similar to rob in a sense where i would um maybe like use self-pity or vices to feel bad about certain things but for a long time now i've just been very open about anything that affects me and face my problems head on. And it's a really empowering thing to do. And it gets less and less scary every time. The fears, the fear that your problems can bring you really goes away once you start knocking them out one by one. So I would say practicing facing your problems head on is a very, very good thing. Vices, self-pity won't solve your problems. Self-pity is a good thing to do to feel your sadness and process it, but only for a very, very short time, only for a day. Then it's your responsibility to see those problems and not let them control you for sure. And I wish I could just tell that to Rob Kardashian. So I really like the quote, running away from your problem only increases the distance from the solution. The easiest way to escape the problem is to face it. So true. How wise, how um, profound. I love that quote. When I read it for the first time, I was like, wow, that is so fucking true. You should want to take one step closer to the, the solution every single day. Even if it's like, if you're not prepared to face it today, you just don't give in to any vices or make it any worse. That would I, I would say is even one step closer to facing it. So I just want to say it again. Running away from your problem only increases the distance from the solution. The easiest way to escape the problem is to face it. Okay, you guys. Well, thank you for joining me on Pop Culture University today. I hope you had an amazing time and got the tea and the, uh, I mean, this is some very dark stuff on the episode today, especially that part about Noah Schnapp being gay. I mean, oh my God, that's awful shit. That's so scary. But um, yeah, I hope you had fun listening. I'm so excited for the weekend. I don't know what I'm going to do. Some, I don't, I don't know. I'd be talking to some guys now and it's, I've, I've really took that whole get a rebound thing to the extreme. I Let me just tell you more guys in my phone than ever. It's actually like a full-time job talking to all of them. I'm sorry if one of you are listening to this, it's you versus many. So you better play your cards right. You, you better do something to stand out. I low-key feel like The Bachelor, not even trying to sound like narcissistic, it just really is true. These guys in my phone, in my DMs, won't leave me alone. They heard I'm single and the floodgates just open. But some of them get very obsessive. Um, I'm thinking of something and um, I don't want to like call it out, but I feel like I, re- I recently went out with someone and they were just being so insanely obsessive. They were actually getting mad at my friends for talking to me and physically touching them to fend them off. So I bought pepper spray. <laughs> I bought pepper spray and yeah, scary shit. It's like the last thing I want to do is accidentally cross paths with someone who will be violent. You know what I'm saying? So I'm very sweet to everyone. Um, I'm not, I don't know. I don't love ghosting. I'm not in my ghosting era, but I feel like I'm in my like being really obvious about how I feel about you era where if, if you do something that makes me feel like that, I will quickly start giving you way less attention 
So I hope that's just very obvious to a lot of people. And I feel like it sucks. You almost have to like break up with people that you're just in a talking stage with. Like, why does this have to happen with everyone I talk to? Why, why, why can't we just um, be friends or something after? Like, why does everything have to be so high stress? But yeah, I'm gonna bring that pepper spray everywhere and continue having high security. <laughs> so because you y'all, some, some people, I don't know if you've ever experienced someone who's just so insanely incessive that they will not stop trying to contact you or physically be with you all the time. And then when they are, do something crazy. So, um, yeah, just, just be prepared for that. Just maybe always have some defense <laughs> easily, readily available for you. But yeah, that's all I'll say on that. That's my current situation. I hope y'all's lives are going great. I genuinely want to know. So if you're one of my regulars that I DM, we can just keep talking. If you're not, uh, post me on your story and then we, you will be. You'll shoot right to the top. I've been so fucking bu- bu- like busy lately. I swear to God, from the moment I woke up today to the moment I am filming this, I have done, I have had like one second of free time. So definitely we'll try to get to everyone's DMs, but I hope all your lives are going amazing and your 2023 has been so exciting and productive and fruitful with success and enjoyment so i will see y'all on tuesday and have a lovely weekend okay bye thank you for listening to believe you can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform check us out at believe.com and search for b-l-e-a-v on youtube